Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. I'm not at the breakfast table because um, it's storming here in Birmingham and uh, the light was better here in the study. I hope you've got a copy of God's Word. We're looking at these 15 Psalms of Ascent, the going up. And I shared with you that what I wanted to do more than anything else was to help everybody who wanted these morning devotions uh, to get up. And the best way I know to do that is with the Word of God. Uh, we're in some distressing times, economically, uh, physically, so many different ways. So I thought, uh, why not look at the songbook of the Hebrews and let's listen to what they would sing as they made their way up uh, to the temple in those occasions when they would gather together to worship. And when you come to Psalm 122 is where we are this morning. This is the third of the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, David writes this one. This is the first one now that we come to uh, that David has written. Now, listen, there are 15 Psalms, four of which David wrote, one which Solomon wrote, the other 10, um, most Old Testament scholars will speculate or say or think that Hezekiah wrote them. Um, in fact, there are some scholars that think Hezekiah went back and kind of uh, uh, not rewrote, but touched up Psalm 122. Of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if he did that. Uh, there was no temple in Jerusalem in David's day, but that's what he's looking forward to. He's looking forward to getting back to Jerusalem to where uh, he would worship God. We don't know the background on this. I wish I did. I have racked my brain. I've searched. I've researched. I've done everything. I, I almost wonder if this is not sometime after um, the uh, conspiracy of Absalom, his son, to seize the throne, which he did briefly, and to take the kingdom away from his dad. And his dad is thinking back on how glad he was to go back to Jerusalem. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of points. Now, these are just my devotional thoughts. I've not uh, done extensive study for a sermon, but I'm going to begin with an excitement uh, that comes when you make worship a priority. Here is the central idea that I would say of this passage is the priority of the worship of God. And in that, the priority of going to the house of God. So you come to this excitement. There's an excitement. When worship is a priority, there's an excitement. You know, we've not been able to go to church now for two weeks. My prayer in these days is that there would be, that God would begin to build in his people a hunger, an excitement, a priority once again to be in the house of God. Uh, for some reason, over the last number of years, uh, Christians, not, not the world, I don't expect the world to come, but Christians have set aside the assembling of themselves together. Now, we don't need that. Well, I, I'm afraid before it's all said and done with, we're gonna find out how much we do need to be together. So let me begin verse one with this gladness that's there, this excitement. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, notice something. 
And what I'm doing in, in these is I'm just showing you my thoughts uh, that I go through in my devotional time. If you look at the last verse, verse nine, he closes. He bookends this psalm with the house of the Lord. Verse nine says, for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God. So he begins with the house of the Lord. He's going to end it with the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Whenever I take groups to Israel, I'll usually I'll start them out up at um, uh, the Zion gate. And as I go in, I'll stop and I'll read this. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Uh, there is an excitement about being there. Uh, there is this priority. This is something that we put first in our lives is to go up to Jerusalem because that's where the house of God was. Now, let me give you just a, a little insight here, and it's this. Uh, they went to Jerusalem the way we go to church. So when you read Jerusalem and the temple, you, you can think of it in the terms of church. Now, here comes the second part in verse three, and that is the emotion when, when worship becomes a priority. There's an emotion here. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. Now, the understanding of that is not that it's a city. Most of these people would have come out of the country. They had little villages, you know, a couple of little houses here, maybe a little shop here, something like that. And they come to a city, and if you go to a city, you know how compact. The word there literally means to embrace, and let me tell you where it comes from. The word is used in Exodus to describe the clamps. When they put up the tabernacle, they put up a curtain around the tabernacle. And this word right here, bound firmly together, is the clasp that held the curtains around the tabernacle. And what it's saying is this is that this is what embraces uh, the city. The city is a city that's embraced. Uh, it, it gives you the concept of, of a big hug. The big arms of God have reached down and just embraces the city uh, of Jerusalem. That was the feeling, that was the emotion when they went there, is that they were in a place where they were wrapped up in the arms of God. Do you think of that when you think of church? Now, listen to verse four, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you catch that, but now that's pretty rare right there. Uh, it's usually the tribes of Israel. Here, it's the tribes of the Lord. These tribes belong to God, as was decreed for Israel. Um, just think of this. It's think about, I think about the boys and the girls, the young people, even adults that went to Jerusalem during this fact. You got to see everybody. You got to see all your distant relatives and cousins as all the tribes came together. Um, you, you would have seen the people of Judah. Those that uh, were descendants of Judah from the tribe of Judah who were, uh, who was the tribe out of which Messiah would come. You would see those from the tribe of Benjamin, the great warriors of Israel, the Benjamites behind you, O Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin had tens of thousands of left-handed men who could sling a, uh, 
uh, a stone in one of those uh, ancient slingshots and they could knock the wings off a fly at a hundred paces. You would see the, the, the family, the relatives of Joshua, the mighty Ephraimites. You would see the great cattlemen from Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh that lived on the Eastern side of the Jordan. So it was a great festive time to come together. Uh, and they came together for this reason, for this purpose, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Uh, the interesting thing about that is this, is that they were there to give thanks to God, not just to see each other, not just the fellowship, that was important, but they were there out of a thankfulness to God. They were there to worship. They were there to give their thanks to God for this reason. Their thrones for judgment were set. If you go back to 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 7, you'll read where Solomon built a throne room, the thrones of the house of David. Now, this is what that implies, is that in Jerusalem, for the whole of the nation, there was a throne from which came righteous judgment. Now, that's what, you know, sin is a reproach to any people. When the wicked rule, the righteous groan. And what the psalmist is saying here is that there was a throne set down in Jerusalem from which the king who belonged to God, who was God's king, would rule in justice. He would rule in righteousness. It was to be a picture of what Messiah would one day do. Now, let me give you... Um, the second part of this psalm, or as I've put it into the third point here, and that's an emphasis on prayer. Verse six, here you, here you hear the king, David writes this, and he asks this question, he asks this, he has this request, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now we talk about that every time a rocket flies in to Israel. Um, which is a good thing to do. But let me tell you what he's saying here is this, not pray that there's an absence of war. He's really praying and saying, ask that there be a peace among the people of God, among all of those who have gathered there. May they be secure who love you. Uh, the word in the NASB, if you're looking at, is prosper. Don't confuse that with what we Americans think of as prospering. The word here means to rest, to be at ease, that there's a calmness, that there's a shalom, that there's a peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And this is what you pray, that they will be secure who love you, that peace will be within your walls and security within your towers, that within the city, there's a peace among the people of God. Have you ever stopped to think that that's the witness of the church? that we give a witness by being at peace with one another, that our security really comes uh, when we are at peace with one another. Uh, for my brothers and my companions' sake, now listen, he says, this is why I'm praying this. This is why I seek peace. For my brothers and my companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. He says, I'm, I'm thinking about others, my brothers, my sisters in the Lord, that I want them to be at peace. I want there to be peace among the people of God. 
for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I'm going to seek what's best for you. For the reputation of the house of my God, for the reputation of the church in the community, I am going to be at peace with my brothers in Christ. What's the worst thing that can come out of a church? Is that there is a church fight, a church split, people that are at each other's throat, people that are bailing out and leaving the church because there is contention. Let me tell you, none of that is of God. None of it is of God. In fact, I want to read something to you uh, that Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen to what he says in verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Listen to what he writes in Romans when he closes, or in the 12th chapter of Romans, as he gets to the close of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. You know, I, I told you yesterday I was not going to end these things um, with an Andy Griffith illustration every week, but here's the third one in a row. Uh, Barney gets his man, first season, near the end of the first season of the uh, television series. Do you remember when Barney captures Brooks? He really doesn't do it on purpose. It really is a, it's an accident. Uh, but Barney puffs up. Big man that he is, he captured Brooks, he captured this cop. Brooks gets loose and he comes back and he's seen around Mayberry. He told Barney, I'm gonna get you for this. And Andy and Barney go out to capture him and Barney is terrified. He is scared to death. It's amazing to me how many times Andy makes Barney look good. In that show, Barney tries to tell Andy and Andy won't let him tell what really happened. You remember he puts Barney in the barn. He knows that Brooks is up in the loft. He puts Barney in the barn. He goes out and he's watching. And uh, Andy rigs it to where when Brooks comes down to get Barney, uh, that Barney gets the drop on him. And when the state police come rushing in, they can't believe that Barney's caught him a second time. And Andy comes in and says, great job, Barn. I can't tell you the number of episodes where Andy does that. That's exactly what the Word of God's saying right there. You esteem your brother better than yourself. David said this, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I'm going to seek what's best for you. Be encouraged. That's the third step up. See you tomorrow.